Good morning and welcome. And the Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord, who lives and is with us and calls us to this time of worship and praise. It is a joy to gather with each of you on this Lord's Day, on this Trinity Sunday. We see by way of our bulletins, this is the Sunday when we especially celebrate, recognize, we worship God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'll invite you, uh, as we worship, uh, if you'll look at the baptismal creeds, as you will look at the order for the celebration of the Lord's Supper, as we look at many of our confessions of faith, they are shaped so as to witness to us of the saving power of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That word comes to us, especially from Romans 5 this morning, and it enriches us, I pray, and enlightens us in this time of worship. As we gather, I invite you to be mindful to opportunities before us, such as Vacation Bible School, the invitation to go kayaking this coming Friday. So wonderful opportunities for us as this worshiping community of faith. Again, the Ministry of Lunch Bunch is always before us each Tuesday and Thursday. And as we gather this morning, we remember the Ministry of the Food Bank and Clothes Closet from yesterday. Uh, by way of the food bank, we served 108 households, packed 151 boxes, served 322 people total. By way of the clothes closet, 86 households were served, 390 people total. So a great day of service with many volunteers from the congregation and from the Martinsville Rotary. And just a reminder that many of the Magna Vista students who help us during the school year are, are not available to help during the summer months. So. That's just an invitation and an encouragement to you on each third Saturday throughout this summer to be mindful of the volunteer opportunities before us with food bank and clothes closet, very vital ministries of the church. Thank you for sharing for work with, with us in this time of worship, especially those who may be visiting. Uh, just a reminder, we have some registration pads because it helps us to know of you gathering and sharing with us in this time of worship. And in this time of worship, we as the community of faith wish to remember the birthday of one of the saints among us. This coming Friday, Ed Dietrich will celebrate a birthday. Yes, Fred, this, uh, Ed, this wasn't my idea, but you are beloved here. You are a stalwart and a pillar within this community of faith at his First United Methodist Church. You've blessed us in many ways throughout many years. And we just wish to express our love and our appreciation as we sing, Happy Birthday. It's been a blessing to work with you and to serve with you in many capacities here at First Church. I'm grateful to be your pastor. Thank you. We prepare to worship God together.
For you created the world in your grace. And by your compassion, you saved the world. To you, O God, 10,000 times 10,000 bow down and adore. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts. Heaven and earth are full of your praises, the silent and the highest.
We go to God as we pray. Our opening prayer before us, again recalling the saving work of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Majestic Creator God, God before time, we find you in the heavens above us, light beyond light, our beginning before all beginnings. God with us, we find you here on earth all around us. You make your home in our fellowship and communion, our daily bread, and in your church, the body of Christ. Spirit of Pentecostal fire, Holy Ghost, we find you burning in truth, ministering with comfort, and interceding for us with sighs too deep for words. God, stretch our imaginations. Open our eyes to see you in your majesty above us, your mystery around us, and your spirit always with us. In your name we pray. Amen. We prepare to proclaim the word of God as found in the eighth psalm, number 743, a psalm to which our opening hymn refers. And we share in response to this word the bold response and also the sung response, the first sung response. This will be played, the choir will sing, then we will share in response to this sung response. chanted above the heavens by the mouth of babes and infants. You have set up a defense against your foes to still the enemy and the When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers. What are human beings that you are mindful of them? Yet you have made them little less than God. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. All sheep and oxen. birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, 
This is the word of our Lord. And we invite our children to come forward for our children's time. Good morning, children. It is always good to see you. I hope your summer is going well. Good, good. Well, as we've mentioned, as we've gathered for worship, uh, this is something that the church calls Trinity Sunday, but it's also another special Sunday. What is the special Sunday this is? Father's Day. Well, I hope your fathers, all our fathers here, have a wonderful day. I know I will, and I'm, I'm grateful to be a father. In fact, I'll share you, uh, show you a picture of me with my two daughters. We went to a baseball game in Washington and we had our picture taken there. This is our older daughter, Becca. She lives near Richmond and Becca takes care of animals and she does a great job. She's involved in animal welfare and loves her animals, has a bunch of animals, but takes great care of all the animals entrusted into her care. And this is our younger daughter, Liz. Liz lives in Roanoke and Liz takes care of humans. So, uh, Liz is a social worker. So we've got one in animal welfare and one in human welfare. Uh, so we've got all the bases covered, we think. Uh, but yeah, Liz lives in the Roanoke area. Becca is 30 years old. Can you believe that? I can't either. No, I can't. And Becca, uh, excuse me, Liz is 26. So these are the two beautiful daughters of, of Miss Paula and me. And I'm grateful on this Father's Day to know that they have texted me and we will talk later. And I'm just grateful and blessed to be a father of these two young ladies. And, and I'd like to think I love them a great deal. I'd like to think that I'm always there for them, if possible. Uh, I can remember the times I've been there for them. We, going to baseball games that they played in, or softball games, going to their swim meets, going to things at school, helping them with homework, being there when they were hurt or sad, going to be with them when they've spent time in the hospital, which they've done. And I'd like to think that, that me being there for them and caring for them was a way in which I showed my love as their father. And as wonderful as I'd like to think that love is, I'm reminded that the love I have for my children is, can never meet the love that our Heavenly Father has for you and me. We hear about that love each time we gather for worship. We'll hear about that love today as we share the scripture uh, of God's love for us being so great that he gave his son for us, of God always reaching out to us to heal what we have broken, of God doing everything he can to bring us into his embrace and to let him know, or to let us know that he loves us. In all those things that God does for us, God is always saying to us, I love you, I love you, I love you. And he says that to us each day, including this day. So as we remember our Father's love for us, and as we remember our love for our fathers, I hope we remember how great the love of God the Father is for all of his children, including you and me, and it's the greatest love we've ever known. So for that love on this Father's Day, I give thanks, and I will go and invite us to go to this God, our Father, as we pray, if you'll repeat after me. Lord, we thank you that you love us, and you never let us go. We thank you for heavenly fathers, who make your love known to us. And we thank you for your love, which we know each day. Amen.
Thank you. We share the word of God as it comes to us from Romans chapter 5. The Apostle Paul delivers these words. I'm going to share verses 1 through 11. Verses 1 through 11 of the fifth chapter of Romans. Let us hear the word of God. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Through him we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. While we were yet weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Why, one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man one will dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we are now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received our reconciliation. This is the word of our Lord.
Well, we have nearly made it through the season of graduation for the year 2019. There are but a few graduation ceremonies yet to be held in certain parts of the state or certain parts of the country. The lovely strains of pomp and circumstance are yet to be played in select venues throughout the land. Well, this being the case, this means we also endure countless graduation speeches at this time of year. Perhaps you have received, as I have, various online notices about the best graduation speeches delivered thus far in the year 2019. <coughs> Oprah Winfrey wowed the graduating class of Colorado College. Actress Jennifer Garner, an alum of Denison University, Granville, Ohio, brought sweetness and levity to the graduates of her alma mater. <coughs> Actor, comedian, and physician Ken Jeong enlightened the graduates of UNC Greensboro. William and Mary alum, actress Glenn Close, encouraged our youthful brothers and sisters in Williamsburg. Countless names from all stripes of life could be added to this list of speakers, whose charge it is to stand before those wearing robes and mortar boards newly saddled with student debt and give them their marching orders as they embark on life in the real world. Now, whether speaking such an address or hearing one, we know how such addresses tend to be shaped. The speaker draws from his or her life's experiences. He or she may highlight a dramatic account of some defeat in life, ultimately giving way to an experience of great victory. And to be gleaned from all of this is a great measure of wisdom imparted to the graduates. In other words, the wisdom from one's life's experiences is now distilled into advice and trusted to those who, in short order, will walk across stage to shake the college president's hands and receive diploma. A notable day, this day of graduation, a day to be celebrated for graduate, families, friends, a day of pictures and abundance of foods, cards, gifts, and a day, according to many, for the dispensing of advice. Nothing against this. There is much to be understood in the offering of advice on this occasion. Because it's true, graduation signals the beginning of a new chapter in life. It is understandable those who experienced much of life should share their lessons with those so young. Plus, we might wonder, well, if you're not going to give advice on this occasion, what are you going to say? Are you just going to share stories or tell jokes or swap recipes? Yes, there are those occasions on which I have shared with you my resistance to giving and taking advice. Still, I understand how graduation ceremonies are seen as occasions appropriate for the giving of advice. It's just, I can't help but notice how other occasions in which we may think the giving of advice to be appropriate, such advice is not given. I look at these words from Paul to the young Christians in Rome. 
This is a letter Paul wrote, we believe, in either the year 55 or 56. It is the last of the letters we have from Paul. This letter is unique in that it is written to a church Paul did not establish. It is a church Paul has yet to visit. However, as he writes, he expresses his hope to travel to Rome, to have the church in Rome underwrite his missionary journeys. He now wishes to take the gospel of Jesus further west into the uncharted territory of Spain. Now, given this context, a context in which this early church is still learning to walk in the faith, a setting in which the church still misses the mark here and there, it seems this is opportune time for Paul to give advice to these young Christians. It appears this is an appropriate time for practical instruction, something similar to graduation advice regarding this new world before these new believers in Jesus. Now, it is true, elsewhere in this letter, Paul will give advice, instruction as to how these followers of Jesus should now live. Paul displays such a tendency toward the conclusion of his letters as if to say, well, wait, before, before I go, one more thing. But he's not there yet. For Paul, at least at this point in his relationship with the church in Rome, there is something more pressing. There is a matter more urgent. This something more urgent is the nature of the relationship between God and God's people. Now, though Paul is telling us something new here, he is at the same time telling us something everyone among us already knows. This relationship between our Maker and those He has made matters most. And more than anything, we want this relationship to be made whole. On this Father's Day, I, like many of you, recall my late father. Of the recollections coming to mind, I share with you the remembrance of certain gifts I received from my father. When I was in my early 20s studying to be a minister, my father gave me, perhaps for my birthday, replicas of the work of art now before you. Not the Trinity. There we go. We see an elderly woman in prayer, her Bible before her. The image of, like to this, is a following image of a man in prayer with his daily bread before him. I suspect these images are familiar to you. They could be found in Christian bookstores or perhaps truck stops along the interstate, anywhere you go. And it doesn't take too much effort on our part to see that in the offering of these gifts, gifts portraying people of faith engaged in practices of faith, my father was tipping his hat to the importance of my call to ministry. Still, there is certain strangeness in my father's offering of these gifts. 
My father, by every indication, was not a man of faith. On those occasions when we as family gathered at table, we did not pray before our meal. I never saw or heard my father pray. I never saw him with a Bible. I doubt he knew the Lord's Prayer. Still, it's true, there are those occasions when my father would speak the name Jesus Christ. Such occasions were Sunday afternoons when from his lazy boy he would watch the Redskins and upset at an interception thrown by Sonny Jurgensen or Billy Kilmer. He would scowl, launch into some verbal tirade, a tirade in which he would speak the name Jesus Christ. Feel free to laugh at that. I kind of wish you would. I worked hard on that. Kind of called, uh, what do they call that, comical levity? Well, still, regarding the giving of some gift to me, we know there were many options before my dad when deciding what he should give to me for my birthday. It could be books, clothing, a shoebox full of $20 bills. It was an option. Still, these gifts he gave showing a man and a woman engaged in practices in which he involved himself, not at all. Could it be there is more than just the giving of gifts here? Could it be there's more than just the social nicety, the familial obligation of giving gifts? Because you and I look more closely in my father's offering of these gifts. And as we do so, we find witness to the word of God as written by the Apostle Paul. It is a word urgent, a word of great importance, a word touching the deepest desires, the greatest hunger of all whom God has made, even my father. We heard this word of scripture. It is a word speaking to relationships healed. It is a word speaking to hope. It is a word speaking to the sharing of the glory of God. It is word telling us we're justified, we're made right. It's word speaking of reconciliation. Witnessing to how we are reconciled to the one who has made us. It is word we're telling us there is someone who acts on our behalf to make everything right. It is word speaking of healing in profound ways, word speaking of what is broken, being made whole. It's word I believe my father wished to experience in the giving of these gifts. In the giving of these gifts, might I be healed? In the giving of these gifts, might I receive grace? As I give these gifts, is there hope for me? As I give to my son, one called by God, may I know something of the glory of God? May I finally be made right? May I know something of reconciliation. 
Though I am not a man of prayer, I give these gifts. This is my prayer that all of this be so. He's not alone in wanting this. It's what we all want. It's his desire to which scripture witnesses to be at peace, reconciled with the one who has made us. So Paul can go no further before witnessing to the truth that the one who has made us withholds nothing so as to be in right relationship with us. There will come time for advice, but not here, not now. Before we go any further, we spend time with what matters most, the manner in which beats the heart of God. For Paul, that's where we start. The nature of the relationship between God and us as he introduces himself to the church in Rome, as he interprets the gospel of Christ, he can begin at no other place than this place speaking to relationship. It may be difficult to find some other place in which to begin, especially when this Trinity Sunday reminds us we experience God as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, meaning the nature of God is to enjoy relationship within this Trinity, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's one wonderful Greek word describing this intermingling of Father, Son, and Spirit. It is the word perichoresis, dancing around. I like that. Given the nature of God to enjoy this divine dance, we see how God wishes to enjoy right relationship with you and me. So much so that even when we sever this relationship, God works to mend the relationship we've broken. We remember our story, Genesis chapter 3, having been set in the garden by God, and having tried to be what we are not, the gods of our own existence, we disobey God. And instead of turning his back on us, God asks, where are you? It's not a question of geography. It's not a question of location. It's a question speaking to the heart of the relationship between God and us, question unfolding throughout God's saving narrative. Where are you? It's a question Paul answers as he presents the gospel of Christ to this church in the city of Rome. Paul answers by declaring we are those who are found by the one who's made us. We are found in right relationship with God, justified in the sight of God. We are at peace with God. We stand in the grace of God, share in the glory of God. We stand as those who know the love of God poured into our hearts the Holy Spirit. We are those found within a love so great that while we were yet at great distance from God, God gave his son so as to bring us back. Yes, we were once enemies, but no more. Now we're children of God, saved by his life, reconciled to our maker, in right relationship with him. Is there anything more important 
than this. Amen. We remember God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as we respond to the word by affirming our faith. Let us stand. Lord God, creator of all, you created us to be your people, a people free to love and to serve you with all our hearts, all our minds, and with all our strength. So we so come, we to, come worship. to worship our God, leaving behind all that binds us, our doubts and our fears, our darkness and our Lord Jesus Christ, Savior of all, you came as a child, gathered into the loving embrace of a family. As an adult, you shared love, laughter, and tears with those whom you knew as friends, and the love of the Father with all who would receive it. So we come to love and Gracious God, inspirer of all, brooding over us, gathered here, eternally breathing life into all of creation, endlessly giving, endlessly comforting. So we come to be still in your presence, to hear in silence the whisper of God breathing life into our souls, deepening our unity in the very life of God. As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. invite our ushers to come forward as we worship God with his tithes and our offerings.
Let us pray. Abba, Father, you draw so near to us that we may call you by the greatest terms of intimacy, such as your love for us, and such as your love that you offer us all things, all blessings. We ask for daily bread, and you give us so much more, even your Son. Except we pray, but a portion of what we return unto you, and in your care, may it accomplish great things for the gospel of Christ. Amen.
seated. I invite us into a time of prayer that we know is the prayers of the people. You see your responses before you for this Trinity Sunday. Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, I invite from you the response. The whole earth is full of your glory. And as I offer this prayer, we will recall Father's Day as well and the ways in which we have known God through the fathers and families who have gone before us to bring us to this day of salvation. Then we pray together as Christ has taught us our Lord's Prayer. We go to God as we pray. O God, you formed your son, Adam, from the dust of the ground and breathed your holy breath into his lungs, giving us all the gift of life. Breathe again your life into us, your children and your church, that we might be one with you. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, the whole earth is full of your glory. Lord of all, you formed great nations out of great families and blessed the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they might be a blessing to all. Bless our nation and all the nations of the world with your fatherly presence, wisdom, and peace. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, As the children of Israel found themselves slaves making bricks for Pharaoh before you heard their cry and brought them to freedom, we pray for all in this world who are in trouble of any kind. We pray for the poor, the hungry, the imprisoned, the victims of war, and all who live in terror's wake. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, Your son Jesus was raised by Joseph the carpenter, who saw him grow year by year in strength and wisdom. We pray for all in our family of faith, and especially those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries this week. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, Your son, Jesus, neither married nor raised children of his own, but he helped countless people come and mature to fullness of life and to life everlasting. And so we pray for all who nurture others with love and patience as spiritual parents. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, Jacob's son, Joseph, was beaten, betrayed, and sold into a life of hardship before rising to greatness. And so we pray for all who are injured, hurt, sick, lonely, or live in fear. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts. Gracious God, as our Heavenly Father, you gave us the gift of your own Son. And out of our human blindness, the crowds called for him to die on a cross. We pray for the dying and all who may be ill. Bring all your children home. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts. Our Father, we pray for all fathers. Strengthen and bless fathers to be faithful, loving, and present. 
and for those fathers whom you have brought into your kingdom ahead of their children and children ahead of their fathers. Enfold them with your holy light and enfold us with your comfort now and forever. Abba Father, we pray as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Stand as we sing. Thank you, Bobby. We thank you. That's an important part of our worship. It really is. We need to appreciate the ministry of our acolytes and what a wonderful witness that is that we carry the light from this time of worship into God's greater world. 
Here we have met God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We meet him as we go from this place. And we are people of hope with access of grace. We are saved and made right by God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Go in peace.